0: You can learn a lot by observing what happens around you, even if you are not taking action. And it's really useful to understand the landscape you're in before you try to change it. There are opportunities for our work and careers everywhere, if you know where to look. That's easier said than done, especially in our fast-paced and constantly changing world. Marianne Fairmouth is talking to experts, employers, and job seekers to bring you insight and understanding about what's possible. This is Career Can Do, where we're navigating the new work world.
1: Welcome to the Career Can Do podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate the new work world. My name is Marianne Fairmouth. I'm an executive recruiter, multi genre author, speaker, and corporate trainer. And today, I'm just delighted to have a person on my show that's really making a difference in the new work world. Liz Kislick is a management consultant and executive coach and a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes. Her TEDx Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It has received more than a quarter of a million views. She specializes in developing high-performing leaders and workforces and for 30 years has helped family run businesses, national nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies really solve their most challenging problems. She's been featured quite a bit in the Wall Street Journal's Morning Download, the Washington Post's Work Advice column, Business Insider, and Bloomberg Business Week. Without further ado and in that incredibly long introduction, help me with
0: welcome Liz Kislik. Liz, say hello to everybody. Marianne, thanks so much. Listening to you, I think, no wonder I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) It's tired
1: for a good reason. You're out there really helping so many people. And I'm thrilled to have somebody like you on my show. You've done so many wonderful things. I mean, and you're so, you know, not only are you, you know, experienced, but your educational background is so impressive. I mean, you have a BA from Yale University and an MBA in management from NYU you know, tell us how you got started in all of this. And what was the impetus that got you into
0: this field? So I've really been very privileged. When you refer to my educational background, I'm lucky. I was born to educated people. I, I started off with an easy path as things go in society. And When I graduated college, I knew I wanted to make things happen and not just learn about things. I loved school, but I knew work was where you could make things happen. And I worked for a small marketing agency for a number of years before I went out on my own and had all kinds of experiences there, including one of the most challenging, which was running a 300-person call center when I was 23. Wow. So I knew I wanted to help people deal with other people better (laughs) than what I saw, what I was thrown into, that there had to be better ways to do things. And that very naturally led to, in a consulting role, observing in so many places and so many different kinds of environments the things that weren't working and weren't working consistently in many places. And then finding things that worked better and helping people see that they could actually start to work on those. Well, that's wonderful. And, and
1: how you know, lucky for you that you were thrown into the trenches at that early age and really could see real life, real problems, real challenges, and, and then had the insight or had the wherewithal to want to fix them. I think that says a lot about you and who you are. Your approach is different, mine is too, and, and you know I call myself more of a holistic recruiter. I, I look at the whole person i I don't look at a resume and a job description and slap them together, but I've looked a lot at your at your website and your vision. It is very much a, a pragmatic collaboration of positive variables, but tell us about how you approach your methodology and, and some of the uh, variables that you that are components
0: in the way you do business. Tell us a little bit about those I think that you can learn a lot by observing what happens around you, even if you are not taking action. And it's really useful to understand the landscape you're in before you try to change it. You bang your head less <laughs> if you've looked around first, right? I think of myself in many ways as a structuralist. The way people behave, of course, has a tremendous lot to do with who they are and what their experiences have been. But it also depends very significantly on the environment that they're in, what the history of that environment has been, what the expectations have been, how people have behaved before them and around them. And if you don't take those things into account, you can try to help people in very personal ways, but that's not always enough to have impact on a situation that has been in the making for decades, or two generations of leadership, et cetera. So knowing what the situational factors are, and figuring out which of those must be addressed, as well as individual behaviors, both of those are necessary to have any kind of significant difference. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that being a
1: consultant, being an executive coach is a challenge. But I think that if you approach it in a way that It's not just one-dimensional, That you look at some variables that are involved in and why something isn't working, why a person isn't being successful. You've got to look at, you've got to collect the data. You've got to look at all these different factors to be able to know how to proceed. And I I applaud you for that because I do my my coaching and my work the same way. You've done so much with so many highly regarded editorial uh, pieces here, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post. How have you gotten you know, the visibility in, in
0: those kind of publications? That has been a long road. There are a lot of factors that go into it. I've taken a lot of advice from a woman named Dory Clark, who wrote several books, including Stand Out and Entrepreneurial You. And she refers to the importance of social proof, which is what those publications can provide, and also to networking. And it's very helpful to be writing and to publish writing so that you can then share what you've written with a variety of editors, because they're looking for different things that are particular to their needs at the time. So sometimes you have to pitch more than once and multiple kinds of topics and little by little over time. Once you've published in some places, other people look at you and you sort of ladder your way up. But it does take time and you have to be very willing to be rigorously edited, to be turned down and to keep coming back for more. Well, I certainly agree. And that leads me to something that is, is, is a one of your approaches
1: and you you list here on your website that you look at resilience. And uh, I think that's interesting because I know Stephen Covey says, Liz, we're not a product of our situations. We're a product of our circumstances. We are a product of our decisions. And I think resilience is something that is a big part of that. I think things can happen to us, but it depends upon what are you going to do about it? How are you going to move through it? I mean, my executive assistant that I I just adore, got me, the. I wrote an article for the Price of Business show, and the article was uh, grow through what you go through. And I think that that's about resilience. And my article was about that, had that quote in there, and she was kind enough to find me a plaque that said that. But don't you believe that resilience is a really important variable for growth, That that we rebound? You know, the last couple of years, all of us have gone through many challenges with the pandemic. And For me, I think the pandemic has made me ban my scope. So I made a decision that during these times that were challenging, I was gonna do something about it. How do you feel about that? Do you encourage your coaching people or your clients to use that
0: resilience technique as well? I love what you just said, Marianne. And I come at it two different ways. So yes, I encourage resilience, but sometimes people who are feeling bad don't see how to get there. And so to another one of your points, making little steps, looking for little glimmers of progress, and then being able to build on them, then you can show people their own resilience. And that can then give them a boost, and then they become more self-starting about it. I think it depends on where people are in the trajectory of figuring out what's going on and how much of it is under their control. Because I think there are two kinds of resilience. One is exactly as you say, what are you going to do about it? And the other is when things are actually not within your control. And how do you accept that they are the way they are and still pick yourself up and keep moving forward? You need both things. I
1: agree. I think you do. And I think you need the strength within to say, I need help that Leads me to another question. You know, I sometimes I get clients and they call me and say, you know, I've replaced this position three times in the last two years. Something's not right here. So if I want to have a client like that that's really struggling with retention, and I know right now the big thing is the great resignation. You know, I think COVID Liz has forced a lot of people to stop in their tracks and say, Do I really want to do this? Am I really happy in this job? And then say, you know, I need some time away. But if somebody's at that place or there's a client that really is trying to figure out what's going wrong with no- retention. How do they get a hold of you? How do we refer them to you? I mean, their website or a phone number, how does somebody that's really struggling to either as an applicant or candidate, you know, move on in their life or career or a client that's really having challenges with, you know, like you talked about at 23 in that call center, and you really saw some things that were wrong, but if they're really struggling and, you know, I believe it's all about helping each other. So, you know, if I hear somebody that's really needing something that maybe is out of my
0: belly, you know, bailiwick to do, how do they get a hold of you? Thank you so much. The best place to find me is at my website, which is www.lizkislik.com, L-I-Z-K-I-S-L-I-K. And of course, they can also find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. Would
1: you say if you had to, if you had to give us a percentage of companies as opposed to people or candidates or you know, people that are trying to kind of reboot or reevaluate their lives, do you have a focus that's heavily more on one side or the other, or is it pretty much
0: even? Do you do work more with corporations or individuals? Nobody has asked me that. That's so interesting. So most of my work is actually with organizations, the vast majority, because I like to see what is happening in place. And it's hard to have access to that unless you are actually working for the organization. So I would say 90, 95% of my work is actually through organizations. And often I work with individuals through that organizational process. But I have worked with independent folks, not so much in a career context, as in what do I do next, as in how do I tackle these challenges that are present in my organization? So it really does have that kind of company focus.
1: Okay, well, good to know. And I think you will agree with me with COVID and with so many corporations now having people work hybrid situation. You know, I know I'm seeing it, especially in the sales area, if you're inside sales, outside sales, or you're doing something that's more of a technology online kind of thing, a lot of my clients are allowing them to do hybrid working sometimes at home, sometimes, but I also think that that causes some challenges. Are you seeing that that hybrid
0: situation is causing more corporations a few more challenges or not? Oh, I do agree. There are all kinds of challenges from the leadership that really doesn't want even hybrid. They really want everybody in place, even though the employees wish to work remotely, to the challenge of hybrid. When do you have people in the office? How do you manage? Are they actually doing different things when they're in? from the things they would be doing remotely, because otherwise, why have them back? It's very hard for organizations to sort out. The results are all over the field, and I think we are in a period of time that will continue to be challenging for a while. And then at some point, we'll look back and make some big judgments about it. But right now, it is very messy, both for leaders and for employees.
1: I agree. And I think one thing that really has to be examined is mindset. And by that I mean I think employers now have to look at the fact that we do have a talent shortage. You know, as you probably know this, but you know, after World War II, when all the soldiers came back from the war, we had a surge in population. Of course, all those people born back then and who we now refer to as the baby boomers. Those people, a lot of them are retiring. And we've never had a surge in population since that time. So for every four pe- persons that are retiring, we have one skilled, experienced person, which leads us to having a gap. So with that being said, I think employers need to change their mindset and look at transferable skills. You know, I had a situation a go where somebody wanted somebody who had experience with supervising somebody or supervising a group of people remotely. Well, you know, only until the last couple of years has this remote thing been so popular. But if they've supervised people at other locations, even though it wasn't exactly the same, I think people have to have a mindset to open themselves up to not exactly. Qualifications because of the talent shortages are not
0: out there. Would you agree with that? You're so right. I love the point you make, and it's so true. There have been international companies for years. So there have been ways to manage people that you never meet, and there have been companies doing it successfully. We now have treated it as if it's something completely new. So I think you're right about the transferable skills and that we need people who can function well in different environments with different assignments and bring their best to bear. And at the same time, organizations need to be more flexible if they're going to attract and keep the talent they need. I agree. And I also think that the human element is even more important
1: now in the workplace. I just wrote an article about this for one of my, for the USA Daily Post. I think that people, employers have to have a little bit more open-mindedness and understand that that employee now, post-COVID, needs that relationship between the employer and the employee. They need to feel safe. They can come and talk to you. You know, I've got to take off next Friday. You know, I've got an elderly parent. I've got to take her to the doctor, but you know, I'll get the job done. I know we got this deadline over here, but they have to feel safe to be able to be open and honest. The more we have that human element in the workplace, the more productive and consequently the bigger profits are going to be. Because if we don't have that, then
0: something's going to hurt from it. The way you describe that, what that makes me think of is if we don't let people be who they are and share some of their real challenges and express some of their real concerns, if we force them to hide those then they have to hide a lot. And when you have employees who are hiding crucial parts of themselves or crucial needs, they have to take care of themselves one way or another. They either have to find another role somewhere else where they can be more on the level. It's exhausting not to be on the level. Or they're hiding stuff from us all the time. Well, that's no way to have a relationship in which you are sharing big thoughts able to innovate and really moving a business forward. So I agree with you. It's really important to understand that employees have full lives just the way executives do and they, they need those lives taken into account. I agree, I agree. So I think that
1: respect level is even more important now. It's more front and center. And my dad taught me so much and he owned a restaurant in, in, the, in the Detroit area for many years. And he used to say, if you have the right people, you have the right people in place, you're going to make money. Okay. It's all about having the right people, but you have to have, like you said, the trust, the openness, the, uh, the, the respect, all those things. And I think those are even more important now. Liz, we're getting close to the end of our podcast. I'm so impressed with you and I'm so thrilled that, that you agreed to come on the show. I think you've got so much good information for, for corporations out there as well as individuals. So if I had to ask you two real important points that you could leave our listeners with as far as being an executive coach, being an executive consultant, management consultant, maybe one tip for the corporations and one tip for the employees, what would you offer
0: those as being? Both of my tips work on both sides. The first one is one you've demonstrated just in our conversation, and that's to be curious. It's not just to take things at face value, but to actually observe them and ask about them and try to dig a little deeper than just what everybody says or just the way it looks. Curiosity helps you figure out what's going on. And the second thing is that even when things are going very wrong, there is always something you can do. To not give up, to not feel helpless, to know that if you are curious, and if you're willing to experiment, you can find a path to moving forward. Great tips. Great tips. Tell us one more time
1: where we can get a hold of you. At LizKislick.com. All right. Well, this is Marianne Ann Fairmouth. This has been the Career Can Do podcast. We've been so fortunate today to have a, a real impressive person with us, Liz Kislick, who's a management consultant and executive coach. Please look Liz up. Look at her website. I'll have all her information also on my website. She's doing some pretty powerful things out there, and we're so thrilled to have her with Career Can Do. Please tune into Career Can Do. We're on nine podcast channels. We're also on the Price of Business show, which is a nationally syndicated show. And we hope to see you next time. Again, this is Marianne Fairmouth with Career Can Do. Thanks. Bye-bye. We thank you for tuning in to our Career Can Do podcast. We make no guarantees on results for your particular quest, but... We hope you enjoy the information presented. Thank you.